Hey guys, come check out episode 22. We bring Igor back in the studio for part two of commercial financing. Chandler looks at some yachts in the metaverse, and I'm back in the news again. When, when, when I was uh. broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. All right. We're back. Master Keys, episode 22. So 22. Chandler Halberton here. Neil Andrino. Igor Gashelin. We're back with our boy, the Rainmaker. I think I called him in a previous episode. Yeah. I got a lot of I'll positive. I'll take it. I'll take it. A lot. Good feedback so, on that nickname. Igor part two. Igor was on previously in episode question mark and did a part one on financing, some structures. We talked mostly about residential stuff, I believe. I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah. Mainly starting with the residential stuff because I think at that point in time, we were going over a few things about what you should do if you're thinking about buying, steps to towards buying as a first time. You guys can kind of scroll through the past episodes and come across that. Igor, I think, was the episode either before or after. Um, a lot of people had good questions coming out of that, so we figured we'd want to do a part two, but also talk a little bit about commercial. And then I'll just also bring you in because you're also an investor. Um, you're someone who kind of works in this space at a few different levels, so... Lots to talk try, about today, try. but uh, as usual, Neil's got news <laughs> slash Neil's Neil is in the news. <laughs> the, uh, the weekly, <laughs> the weekly update. Um, yeah, so right off the hop, I'll talk about the nineteen unit that you guys have all heard about fifty times. Yeah, uh, my closing was supposed to be this week due to some lender issues. It's been bumped to next week, but yeah. I am assured that we're closing next week. Uh, so seller wasn't super pumped about that. No. I'm going to go ahead and just air this. I think it was a little weird, but the seller had an out-of-town property manager um, that they flew in for the closing, hmm. which what? I thought was very That's weird. That's unusual. Yeah. But the seller was local? Seller's local, building's local. There's a superintendent on site, but the property manager's from Man, Ontario. Every now and again, I kind of rag on property managers not doing a lot and right, charging a whole bunch. What are you doing if you're I'm out of province. Yeah. So I was like, what is this guy doing? Weird. Because they also pay for a super on site. And who paid for that flight? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a I had a pony up for all of it now because I had delay closing. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I paid for flight here back. Food. For the property manager of the building that you're buying? Yeah, I probably shouldn't get into all the details, but um don't delay closing if you don't have to. Um <laughs> and so I had to, but I, I it was a good little battle to get that one week extension. What was the property manager supposedly here to be doing? Uh from what I could gather, making sure that the building didn't grow legs and run away. I think what's also neat is Which that it didn't do. It was probably just like his boy and they wanted to come in and party, so they just got you to fly him in. Well, legitimately too, because the other thing was he's flying here and he's driving back. And I was like, did he just assume a vehicle? I'm like, oh, okay. is he going to send you his gas this receipts? A, yes, I'm doing. I'm, I'm paying CRA oh. kilometers, so I'm actually paying thirteen hundred dollars to drive him home. And then I, I sent back. I was like, hey, I just looked it up. There's fifty four flights to Toronto next week for two hundred and eight dollars. I'll gladly book it for him, and I won't pay. I won't charge travel agency fees. And they're yeah, like, I, like, I like the drive. And they, they're like, he has to drive. And I'm like, you mean he came here to pick something up? Yeah. Right? yeah. And now he he's picked, driving. He bought a car. He bought a car. He bought a car and he's driving it back. Yeah. And so I'm paying for his food too. And I'm just like, okay, this is just like a spit in the face. <laughs> the next thing that happened uh, and the reason I was Leave in the news in. this week was I had a hot water tank blow up at one of our properties and it fed, I think it feeds about three or four units because um, the rest now have their own hot water tanks. And anyway, so it, it blew up on a Friday or a Saturday. We did an emergency call out to get it looked at. It was an old oil tank. Um, so an we, oil fired hot water tank. Yeah. Oil, sorry, an oil fired hot water tank. We weren't able to replace it with that 
because then we had to do a bunch of other stuff to kind of get it up to code and it didn't make any sense. So to do a better setup, we were going to do an electric tank. They didn't have one because they needed a bigger than standard residential one. Anyways, long story short, we worked on getting like an electrician out there and a, and a plumber in time. It ended up being, I think, Monday that they did it. Yeah. In that same utility space, there was a washer dryer setup. They had to steal the dryer feed to power the hot water. Mm-hmm. So obviously I was like, I think the hot water is a little more important than your coin up dryer. Mm-hmm. So that got done. But now they don't have a dryer for a temp amount of time because we're going to reset up a new feed to do the dryer. Anyways, in the meantime, uh, one of our tenants decided to take it to Reddit. And Good. I love this guy. Yeah, this guy's done this a few times with me before. Uh, anyways, he twisted it in kind of a way that it's like some, I don't know, he just, he words it very strongly and yeah. the internet's very quick to support mm-hmm. on these kinds of things. And then it kind of went to the point of someone being like, name this person. And so then yep. he responded by putting my name, linking all of my real estate pages and he linked something else too. I think the property management. Anyways, so we put that on there and then people just proceeded to absolutely berate me online, which is the part that I'm kind of surprised about. It's like people don't live in the building. They're getting only one side of the story, but then they're super quick to like make comments as far as I hope this guy crashes his car and dies. Wow. And I'm not, I'm not making <laughs> this like up. A, that's a quote. That's a quote unquote. Someone said on there, I hope he crashes his car and dies because they don't have a coin op dryer for maybe a week. Yeah, and and when you said strong language, like the Reddit subheading or whatever it is, I'm tired of Halifax slumlords, which obviously is going to get a bunch of people engaged. That's right. right? Like that is, that's a hot topic. People are going to go in there. And then he's like, I told him for months the hot water tank was leaking and then it blows and he doesn't replace it for three days. And then he replaced it with a 40-gallon, even though we have six units here. So I really <laughs> look forward to scheduling my showers around, you know, the other people in the building. And we've had to disconnect the dryer, so he just left the cord hanging there. And there's always, always, always more to these stories. And a couple things check out. Like, obviously, you would replace it with an electric unit because you're taking out the oil boiler. Yeah. So you have to get an electric unit. If you've tried to replace an electric hot water tank right now, they are legitimately in low supply. Just like you can barely get breaker boxes. Both or, or you can't get panels or appliances or You anything, can't get right? anything. So if it broke on a Friday... Yeah, good luck trying to get that before Monday. Does it <laughs> get suck? Get a trades guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it sucks. But that is that is not surprising in its own right. And obviously you'd put an electric unit, not an oil one, because the furnace and the oil combustible source is being ripped out. Now, trying to run a 220, if you have to run a 220 off an existing host meter and it happens to be fuses, which it probably is or something like that, yep. it is not that straightforward to run a new 220 line. So a dryer takes a 220 as well, probably BX cable. So you just turn it around and run it in there. And then, yes, the dryer is going to be out of commission for three days. And someone commented today on one of our things. It's like, because we made a, qu- a comment that had the words real money. And someone's like, yeah, real money. Just like the real money I put into your dryer that doesn't work. It's like, <laughs> oh, they, like you want the two, two loonies back? Like, you know, uh, trying to get, you know, anyway. And and that size hot water tank is plenty for three units. Plenty that's a, that's the thing. Units. The plumber put in a tank. They, they knew what the usage was. And they're like, I think there's three units on it. Yeah. And they said, this is a big enough tank for it. Like the plumber put in what was required. Because uh, also the cost between like the sizes of tanks. It's like marginal. Oh, it's like a hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 40 it's irrelevant. 60, it's not. It's not anything. So he would have just done whatever fit the usage. Um, and then uh, the one that another additional weird one is because they linked all of my stuff online. People again who don't live in the building have nothing to do with it. Have also taken it upon themselves to text message me. Right. Yeah. So I'm waking up to text messages from random phone numbers. 
being like, and at first hey, you're super excited. Right. And yeah. then you read the technology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At first I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> what, what, what came in overnight. <laughs> yeah. And then I open it and I'm like, really? Like yeah. random people feel the need to like text me and say like weird offside stuff. Cause that helps the situation. I don't, yeah. I don't really know. This, this is the challenge too with like, there's obviously a lot of history there. This is the guy who went to the news previously. Yeah. And, and you know, so there's history there. He's, he's had success with a viral Reddit campaign before. True. So we're just going to go over that same, well, you know, trodden path. And, um, but you know, doxing people and putting their info out there, that that's a little bit suspect because you shouldn't be getting, you know, people, I want, I joked before we started that I want to do a segment called like mean tweets and just read out the <laughs> stuff people say. It'd be pretty good content. We're, we're getting there now. And it's not like you're trying to hide or, or, you know, hide your information, but like, how is it relevant for it to be publicly available to people who have nothing to do with the situation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like him and I had a conversation or anything like that. Um, so it's just super weird to be a grown adult, go online and and see other people's business and be like, yeah, me too. I'm going to get in on this with this person. I don't know. Like. That's weird, man. If you're a grown adult doing that, you're a weirdo. The other thing I'll point out too, just since we're just going off on this person in some sense, is he also, uh, during showings for other units, has the windows open with the music blaring, like rap music, mm-hmm. and he got a beware of dog sign put on the front of his unit. Mm. Like just trying to create the tone that it's bad I'd be like, there. sweet. Rap right. music and dog friendly. I'm into yeah. this place. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Um, so. All right. Well, what else is new with you? So you're you're making friends all over. I'm making town. friends all over town uh, between the purchases and my tenants. Um, the tenants that I have seem to like it though, and they keep on moving into the new buildings. So that's great. Um, but uh, other than that, just a bunch of refinancing. I'm trying to get everything cleaned up and refinance across the board. Uh, I've screamed a few times I've, that things are going to change. Uh, I'm still a big strong believer. I don't know exactly what's going to happen and where to be putting your money, but I want to have uh, some cash in hand so that if there's an opportunity available. Uh, I can make a play on that, and uh, and I'm also looking at some some crypto options. I think you guys are as well. Uh, yeah. That I probably want to get involved in because I think there's some some big changes coming also on that front. Well, there's this little reset that's maybe going on in the market right now, same as when this all started. And yeah. we've talked about this before. I remember thinking to myself, like, man, for people who have a bunch of liquid cash right now, this is the time. Yeah. I even thought like I've always wanted to have a restaurant. Now would be a great time to buy a restaurant because they were closed for a while and stuff, you know. Yeah. It, and and this little pullback that's happened, you know, in the crypto space, it's been pretty significant the last month or so. Um, but we could have another little dip that we had before, and we all saw what the result was coming out of that. So interesting times. I saw I saw a funny little video online or meme or TikTok, and it was. Uh, it was like your back Black Friday sale, and it just showed like a picture of like Walmart and people like beating each other with a TV, and then it like flipped to his, and it had like all the crypto and all the stocks up, and everything was red. Right, mm. and he was like Black Friday sale, like everything's discounted like crazy. Yeah, now's a great time to get in. Well, we haven't talked a lot about COVID um, because it's just kind of like this undercurrent to everything, but yeah. there's obviously new ramifications, you know, active with this variant, but also, you know, we're going to talk about a few things today in the news about. So those SERB payments are coming due. People are about to pay income tax on some of this stuff. Mm. A lot of the mortgage relief down in the States is now over. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in the news. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's new with me? Thanks for asking, Neil. I was. Um, a- <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why I took over that eight, eight unit that, that we talked a little bit about. There was a video on our social media there. Um, yeah. 
and thanks for Igor for for helping out with that. Uh, not only with the purchase of that, but also the refinance that led to the purchase of all that. Um, so I did the old meet and greet. I don't know how you handle it. Um, that was my BlackBerry beeping. Um, you know, I go there with with my little letter, and then I go there and I visit and I try to get contact information. So I'm going through all of that, which, um, you know, full disclosure with them. I'm saying, hey, you know, the building's going to be renovated over the next period of time. I want to work with you guys, compensate you, help you with your move. So we're working over, you know, working through that. Um, and what else is going on? Well, did know. you know? So how did that go over? Yeah, how, so how did that go over? And also, did you not find an empty unit, which is like, oh, again, like this is the bonus of being a landlord. Yeah, you got an empty unit, which you can mean you can re-rent it, but. So now you just lost whatever a thousand bucks over that month, right? Like, mm, first of all, it's like five hundred bucks. It was only five hundred bucks. It was okay, five hundred bucks. It was five hundred bucks, heat and water included. And I walked in, and the thermostat was broken. So it was it was reading like the thermostat was off. The the measure, like the only <laughs> part of the thermostat that still worked, was the part that told you the temperature currently, and it was over thirty thirty five degrees. degrees. Wow. Yeah. So literally, that unit at five hundred dollars, probably another three days, and it would be in the red anyway. Yeah. Right. right? So I'm just going to go in there disconnect the thermostat, like turn it off or, or figure out something to do there. True but, enough. Um, you know, t- in order to compensate them for moving out, um, it would have been quite expensive. So the fact yeah. that that unit was vacant, it's like bonus. representative on the other side was like, Hey, just so you know, um, the person just up and left in this, unit. I'm like, that is literally the best news I've heard <laughs> yeah. in a long time. Um, so we're going to go in there and demo that one out. But in terms of reaction, I mean, people aren't happy about it. No one likes change. And, <laughs> Um, as much as maybe we draw the ire of some people, like we are sensitive to the fact of what's going on in the market. I understand that these people are not going to be able to go out there and find other $535 heat included units. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just not. And they realize that too. Um, I've just kind of started the conversations with them of, you know, I'm going to work on your, with you on timelines, as long as we both understand that this is imminent. Like it's not a question of if it's just a matter of when, yeah. but I'm easy to work with that. If we agree on a when and work towards it, not only can we do that and you can kind of go out there and start looking and, and get advanced, like, you know, take a good place when it comes along or what have you, but also I'm going to work with them with the compensation in the form of, you know, months of rent and, and help moving and all that sort of stuff. So people but are standard. generally, receptive to that though it's not great news um so but we'll work through it uh and i'm super excited about it like uh, i like the idea of having a project um even though it's probably more work and more money than i should have spent on it and all those good things but whatever um oh and actually this was really exciting news i booked the siteworks guy for portland street starting in january boom they're gonna bit start, start digging shovels in the ground digging a big right. hole that's super exciting it is that's super uh, exciting it's been a long time coming when did you first get that site well, it's kind of gradual right yeah, I guess you picked yeah. them up over time. No, but the no, first, that, the, first, first, the first, this first, first one where this is, that would have been, man, it's been two and a half years since the DA. Oh my gosh, it's coming up on four it, years. O- over two and a half years since I submitted the DA, and I think I had the property for about a year before that. So we're coming up on three and a half, four years before the the hole gets dug, and then it'll be two years to build it, or eighteen months anyway. That's insane. That's why, like, yeah, it is insane. I'm this reactive sad. thing to like, we need housing. It's you got to start yeah. ASAP, and we should have been doing stuff like, yeah. And the other day, I was like, back. I wonder how much money I've put into it so far, and I kind oh, of like was no. going through my whole thing. <laughs> I'm like, all right, and I'm right around uh, two eighty for architecture and permits and planning, plus another eighty plus one. I don't know, like around five hundred, not including the actual land. 
Non-clunal land. No, that's right. just out-of-pocket expenses. And you haven't dug a hole yet. Haven't dug a hole. Haven't moved a grain of dirt. Things yeah. are going well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is super exciting. So I'm pumped on that. But, that's awesome. Um, and one other thing that happened this week was kind of a bummer. Like lost uh, a deal on a really good property. You and I were actually talking about it before. We won't go into too much of the details. But yeah, um, just with like rates creeping up just that little bit and, um, you know, the market being so so hot that some of these deals are razor thin margins. A lot of them are razor um, thin margins. And you and I take product that's heavily dilapidated and it has the lift at the end and the end product is, is worth the sweat and, and you maybe pay a premium based on the cash flow up front, but you can see the end model. The challenge is if you want something turnkey, man, the price you have to pay. It's insane. I don't know how you're going to make money out of it. Well, the problem is like you kind of don't and you either have to resign yourself to like, this is just a place I'm going to park money. And there's advantages to parking money for all kinds of different things and what people are doing in their, in their, you know, financial back end. But if you're a young person, it's either you've got to really take on a massive project or, you know, it's hard to cash flow on. Yeah, you need to have a ton of cash or you need to be able to take on a big project. And so for most people, you really have to look at taking on, taking on that project. Because I do also, like you're saying, I have some young people that, want to buy a rental but they're not interested in getting into the full like meal deal gut job yeah um but like you're saying it's, it's impossible to buy something and then rent it and cover your expenses and yeah. so if you're then having to contribute to it on a monthly basis when things are already maybe tight or you're trying to grow that's not always the most exciting opportunity or the return part is not enough right like yeah I'm, given the price point of that one because I, I know what that one was how much you have to put down and yeah, then if you're yeah. only making like a little bit per month that justifiably isn't the most exciting thing right? yeah i mean and, yeah and the other thing too that's i think worth noting that's interesting here like <clears throat> our you know the loan amount wasn't small no nope. so the mortgage payment is not going to be small right yeah but then like the property taxes mm-hmm. like they're, they're going to spike even our, once you buy it our yep. taxes here like look at um say toronto right and i know we'll talk a bit about taxes too but Property taxes in Toronto relative to the price of the property. Yeah. To have, like, say, a million dollar property there, which is not anything exciting there. Yeah. But the taxes on it are like four grand a year. Yeah. Oh, so, so proportionate. It's like 10. Right. Here. 10,000, like 1% roughly. Right. Yeah. So that on a monthly basis, that hurts, you know? Yeah. So, and that's a product of two things. <clears throat> one, they build up. We refuse to build up here. Like, you pop one of these condos up, hmm. right? Every single unit there gets full freight. Taxed. That square foot you know, of land yeah, will yeah. be producing right. more tax than it would be with the low rise. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there's just the fact that the pricing got up so high that the municipality, you know, they lowered just, their they, tax rate, which right. we Whereas don't here do they here. just want their piece. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a good segue <laughs> into the news. Yeah, let's segue into the news. Neil, you kick us off. Well, um, I mean, I'm going to go on that topic of tax. Yeah. And the first item being, uh, and I think you looked into it a bit more than I did. Everyone knows we kind of went off last time that HRM proposed a was it 7% increase or 6% increase? 5.9. 5.9%, yeah, 6%. so 6%, uh, half being a climate action tax and the other being just due to inflationary pressures uh, on property taxes, even though their assessments across the board have gone up more than they ever have, higher than they ever have, and they had a massive detransfer tax windfall that they've also never had before. And they've had and, that now and for two or three years. And wouldn't have budgeted for. Exactly, and would not right? have budgeted for. And they, yeah. they openly found say money. It, right? found yeah. money. Yeah. It's newfound yeah. money, and like it blew everything out of the water. Um, and in response, they're going to have a, <laughs> a larger than ever property tax increase. Um, but now on the flip side, New Brunswick's also facing a lot of growth similar to Halifax. Yeah, Mon- Moncton specifically. And th- this yeah. is where th- this is the municipality in, in question. Um, they've realized that they're going to have just over a 10% increase in property assessment. 
Yeah, which so, would be similar to here. Yeah, so if not what, less, it's less, less than here. Yeah. So what they did is they dropped their property tax by six percent to encourage growth. Not only to encourage growth, but just to be like, we have more money than right. we did before. They have a budget, they're going to meet it. And, and given that's it. everything yeah. that's going on, maybe collecting every single penny that we can is not what we want to be doing. So they dropped their property tax rate by 6%. Now, anyone in council who's listening to this, which no one is, though even though Mike Savage was in here right before here, because he's got, check out uh, the mic drop. He's got a podcast here as well, PNV. I like the name. Um, it is a sick name. Um, they're going to say, what? but our property tax rate is technically lower than uh, Moncton's, because Moncton's now is going to be about 1.56. But those rates move inversely with property values. Yeah. Right. So they are lowering their their tax it's rate. It's also as an their irrelevant point. One thing went up, the other can come down. Yeah. Yeah. Two they don't need to yeah. both go up. Well, yeah, both right? going up is is but, double but, counting. Right. But that's the thing. I'd love to see that's that like the average assessment increase, and then then look at that new assessment and then the new tax rate on that. So that actual tax increase to the average person is not six point or five point nine percent. Yeah, it's greater right? than that. Yeah, it's yeah. much greater. It's double counted. So yeah, and this is like Moncton's doing well, man. I know, like yeah. we hear this all the time. Every now and again, I'll have someone like kind of debating between and like, here oh, and yeah, there. I'm, I'm looking yeah. in a Moncton, and I know some guys who like sold everything here and then bought a bunch of stuff in Moncton. I know you do things across the border, like yeah, you know, so good on Moncton. It's it's great for the general area, like the Atlanta provinces, to have Moncton be strong. But what a nice little piece of news and a big contrast. Like that yeah. is a shot over the bow. Like if if. Like then these municipalities, they go to these, you know, conferences and they go to these big corporations to pitch, right? Yeah. Why come here? That's yeah. a shot over the bow of anyone looking to invest in either Moncton or Halifax. Property tax goes up over here, 6%, goes down. One 6%. of the biggest complaints too for investors in Moncton has been the tax rates. So that, they're, trying, they're trying to show it. They're trying to make the change. There yeah. is something different though in New Brunswick. There's an absentee tax like as soon as you leave the province, oh yeah, your tax rate goes up. It's like triple. Like it's something wild. Oh cool. Oh, so okay. so say you have a house there, and then you move to Halifax and you rent your house out, your tax rate goes up like exponentially. No way. Okay, it, now that you said that, now we're gonna get a new HRM proposed tax. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like we can do yeah. what absentee yeah. tax? So. Yeah. While you were on vacation, we prorated it for seven days. That's right. That your tax rate is actually three and a half percent. Yeah. In terms of other things that are going on in the municipality, we talked a little bit about the um, affordable housing temporary units that you know, full disclosure from council, they're saying they're probably going to be there for about three years. Yeah. Going down on Alderney, um, that site for anyone who was kind of listening before it's a little further north than i initially thought it's the There's, far parking lot it's the far parking lot yeah uh, i mean it's still highly valuable On real Alderney? estate yeah yeah it's right in the thick of things um, still but it's it, a little further over in general aldering landing and alderney gate are really undercapitalized from a real estate perspective either way but but that's where they're going um and that feeds an immediate need like we talked about and then they announced the location over in halifax which is the parking lot of Centennial Arena. They're going to build them kind of on the periphery of that parking lot. I think they have the same timeline, like thinking end Similar of December. Similar timeline. They're yeah, exactly. Built. They're looking to house 38 people there. They're also going to have a couple other units uh, that provide like medical services. And then that's the stuff. key to everything. Yeah. You know, you build these and I mean, they're going to uh, have onsite staff, which is going to be really, really important. A hundred percent. Like this is, so I, this building that I just took over, there's some people there that have serious health issues, be it mental yeah. health, um, or, or, you know, health, health. And it's like, oh my gosh, like you should not be here. Yeah. A lot of these like people the, aren't there the, by their own doing and they, there's oh my, assistance that's required to you help know, them. 
if, if we're really trying to correct the problem, you need to build these institutions where people have this full support around them. Yeah. Mental health, physical health, you know, financing support, all of these things built in one facility, um, not this patchwork solution that we have. And nothing that's coming down the pipeline is actually addressing that, but beating that horse uh, quite a bit. Before we go any further on that, though, I just want to say I like that site, I think, a little more. Right. Like I found, like you said, Alderney is a bit of it right in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. The downtown waterfront for Dartmouth is a little smaller and a little bit more. It generates tax revenue. That's the thing. It's not like, oh, yeah. it's visible here. Like It's not that. It's just, oh, my gosh, that land is could generate a lot of money that could <laughs> go towards funding more things. So is that yeah. the ideal spot? No, but they were in a bind. We talked about that in the previous episode. Versus the Centennial site, I think location-wise, it's, it's central to everything. It's really nice in that sense. And mm-hmm. then it's still not impacting uh, other things negatively. The only thing is I think there's a little dog park there. Um, but yeah, really, it, the dog park is yeah, still available. I think and that's, it, that's a small price to exactly, pay. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, it's not going to be that bad overall. Well, it, it, it also maintain these things, it, like it's I said spillover, It's spillover uh, winter parking for a lot of people on Maynard and Creighton and Bower that don't have driveways for winter parking yet. It's just an interesting thing. It's like, okay, so there's going to have to be a spillover spot for those people to park. But uh, again, all things that can be worked out this uh, these are imperfect solutions yeah, to I mean, they, they a have problem. To, they have to put it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Someone will be inconvenienced, so, you know. Yeah, exactly. It, it's never going to be a perfect solution, but I think they did a pretty good job on the Halifax side and even even Dartmouth as well. Um, but now, t- switching municipalities, Toronto first? Yeah, let's talk about Toronto for a second here. So we're, we're all kind of losing our minds in, in Atlantic Canada because prices have gone up, whatever, 20% year over year, two, three years in a row now. Um, in Toronto, very close to downtown on Danforth, uh, they listed a 30 centimeter wide parcel of land, 30 centimeters. So that's like 12 inches. That's a foot. Mm. Um, 50K, which is not 49,900. 49,900, exactly. It's all about the marketing. Multiple offers. Um, I looked it up. It's like just the in between of two buildings, really. Yeah. And I don't. Totally I love that someone owns this independently. Like, I wonder if it's one. There's of a the- bunch of that in Toronto. Yeah. I've seen this happen before where these guys bid on an auction site and it was a foot of land between the two driveways. But the picture on the auction site showed the house. So they thought they were bidding on the house. So they bid like 80K, thought they got this house in like T.O. or wherever it was. And they got to be a strip. And they were so super pumped, show up, and they got the actual like that strip of grass between your house and your neighbor's house. Crazy. Yeah. And it didn't even go all the way back. Right. It, yeah. just, it was just the length of the driveway. Yeah. So what do you do with this this asset? Like what's the point? I don't know. I think for these guys, it just becomes, it's, it's definitely going to be one of the property owners. It's, it's got to be one on either yeah, side. There's nobody who's think, like, but I there want are three the foot bids. in between. There are three bids. So like, <laughs> no, so who's the, the third person? person? <laughs> Some jerk's just like bidding them up a little bit. Just to, He's like, one day they're going to go to develop this and they're going to need these 30 centimeters. That's You say that's that in true. jest, but that's a good point. Like at some point, someone's going to buy both of the ones on either side yeah. and they're like, I need this strip in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, or he could, or the third guy who could sell it back to the other person who didn't get it of the two actual owners yeah. for a premium. Just turn it up another five, ten k, reassign it, <laughs> yeah, re- reassign it over for an extra fifty. Um, but yeah, anyways, that was that was a really weird one. I, my bigger thing is, how does that happen? Like, how do they allow subdivision to take place? Right. And they're just like, why does that? Yeah, we're going to subdivide these two lots, and then there's just like this two inches in between uh-huh. here. We're going to leave that as a separate pit. Someone's got to pay tax it, on that. It, it does happen because right. you used to have all of these. Um, right. I mean, we, we, who was the seller? Yeah, I know. Right. Now I didn't go that far into it. I should have looked. And like, why did he wait this long? <laughs> right. Why like, now? Oh, markets why up. Now? <laughs> so, um, occasionally you'll see this because here we've got, um, you know, pre amalgamation and post amalgamation. So like, Dartmouth used to have its own water supply, right? right? And that was different from Halifax water. Mm. That was different, presumably from Bedford water. And so they would have these weird little easements. 
And then over time, it's like, well, we amalgamated. So all the services got jammed together. And in some cases, like we had these weird pieces of land that was given to the homeowners on either side or just forgotten about. Or, you know, people divide things over many times and like, oh, well, I need this little strip to access my house back in the back. And someone buys everything, but they forget to migrate and transfer that one little strip. So then you get these lots that aren't identified. They've got no owner and, and all, all these things can happen. But 30 centimeters is small. It seemed a little nuts, but, but I mean. But I'm, the diameter is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyways, transitioning now, we've, since we're just moving yeah. our way further and further away, we're going to go straight from Toronto just to the metaverse. We're just going to go ahead and skip from this universe to yep. the next universe for another sale that was mind-blowing. Um, just because we've been talking about the metaverse a fair bit. Recently, in Sandbox, which we've talked about before as being one of the, I guess, meta- universes within the metaverse, um, a yacht sold in Sandbox for $908,000. Uh, and it yep. sold to someone that we know, Republic Realm. Oh, the same people who bought that development site. Exactly. Yeah. They are on a tear. Um and in the the yacht is docked at Fantasy Marina, which I thought was a fitting name. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, this is the most uh, most expensive NFT to have sold within the sandbox uh, platform. I don't know what their objective is with it. I don't know if they're going to just flex on people. I think that's kind of what yachts do. Yeah, they're just going to host sick parties. I don't know if they're going to have yeah sick yeah, parties. How do you use that online? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I'd be curious to see what they're doing with that. Um, on a on a flip side, just to put it in perspective too, Sandbox, $122 million of Sandbox land traded this week. Crazy. Man, I know we joked about million this before, like, week. what's the point of going to this fantasy world if you can't even have a yacht in the fantasy world? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that defeats the purpose. If your life sucks in the metaverse just as bad as it does in the real world, you know. I, I was going to say, appar- go apparently I'm not going to have a yacht in real life or in the metaverse anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it seems like that's, oh, but it's, it's so great for publicity. I mean, but it's real money, right? It is real money. It's real money. So it's it's just interesting. So $122 million and and the people or the entities that have that kind of money, like these aren't presumably. That's probably more than what's traded in all Halifax this week. Definitely more than what's traded. Yeah, exactly. More than if I land in Canada. Yeah. You know, so, so presumably this is smart money and they're doing something that they see a, you know, a purpose for. And that's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, let's return back just for the last little piece of news. Um, This was a specific thing to, I think it was in, was it Regina? Um, So what's going on where we're kind of finishing, I mean, I don't know what wave we're on this COVID thing, but a lot of this CERB money, you know, they're starting to come back around and check on it um, Mm. and audit whether or not people were actually you know, qualified for it. And maybe they applied for it disingenuously or maybe they applied thinking they qualified and turns out that they didn't. Um, and it was in the news. I can't remember what province it was, but this couple was ordered to repay $12,000 of CERB benefit. And I think that there was is, a lot given out incorrectly is, too. Like I heard of getting, livestock getting CERB. Right. And people were getting 2000 a month. And if they were both taking it, there's, that's only three months of CERB that they're being yeah. asked to repay. Yeah. If there's, if it's and, both and you know, they, they felt that they replied for it correctly you know, and, and they'll have to fight that if they don't, but that is going to be a real issue. The other thing is in the fine print of this stuff, they're like, don't forget to set aside like $328 right. of Tax each payment interest. to put away your taxes. We're coming up to the end of the fiscal year. There's going to be ramifications for all this. And the CERB is the least of it. Uh, down in the States, all of their mortgage relief has just, you know, lapsed. It's now done. And there's something like almost 8 million people in the States that applied for 
really like not just mortgage relief, but mortgage bailouts. Hmm. And the only saving grace was that the market has done so well um, that I think there's something like of those 8 million people, about, you know, 27% of them at one point or another were actively in arrears, but like still had equity in it. And now 3% are advanced into foreclosure but they're being saved by the fact that the market has has kicked up. So, so they, they still have, have at least equity. 20% equity yeah. here. But we talked about how rare foreclosures are, um, but all of these relief programs are now coming to an end and the payback is not going to be smooth for a lot of people. And there's going to be, you know, big ramifications from all that. Yeah. Um, with, with CERB, a lot of uh, a lot of people, especially now, who don't have like a salary job, and then a lot of people who are affected by, say, you know, their business being closed, like say they work in a restaurant or they're a massage therapist or you know, countless other things. Um, we have clients that they took it preemptively, mm-hmm. like knowing that they might need it. Yeah. Then their year actually ended up okay, and so I know some people who just set it aside, knowing to pay back. full well that they have to yeah. pay the whole thing back because they didn't end up needing it. But they took it because there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, and so they yep. thought, "Hey, I'll have it. Of if course, I pay it back, and I pay it back." Yeah. I think a lot of businesses I, did that with the 60k, totally. Well, 60k loan, and there was 10, a little bonus on top of that. A little bonus, a quarter of it was forgivable, right? Yeah, if you pay back the full amount, you had like then two years to do it. Thirty, thirty-three percent. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, that was just free money, a, a layup. But. Well, think of how many people like <laughs> t- took this serb money, and then you know the economy did really well when we did get back to work. There'd be some people that are in a higher tax bracket as well right. than they may be expected to be, and they've got this money that they didn't pay tax on, uh, also. So right. it's going to be. And, and so those people who set it aside, like that, I've, I heard of some people doing that. We had a couple of clients mention they were doing that, but I don't think that's the that's not the rule. Like that's the exception. I think most people oh. just took it and have no idea. Yeah, yeah. people don't set that aside. People don't read the fine print. They're like, okay, yeah. sweet, I got this money that helps me through this bind. Great. Um, people were also now, taking it in like a desperate time when they yeah, weren't really. There were some attention. people who needed it. There were some people who took it just kind of in lieu of working. Totally. I had this guy oh, yeah. who's like, "Yeah, I can't pay rent because I can't go to work because I don't want to go to work. Because if I go to work, I don't qualify for my EI." I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I guess um, I'm still going to need that rent though. Yeah, like that's a you problem, not a me problem. Um, anyway, neither here nor there. I know another thing we kind of. Uh, wanted to touch on, but maybe we'll we'll visit another day. We spoke a little bit about how hard it is to find staff for a lot of uh, positions, yeah. service, frontline, all this stuff. The staffing is way down. A couple things have come out. One, um, there's over a thousand people now in Halifax, um, kind of public sector who are on uh, leave right now because they're not double vaccinated. This was kind of like their cutoff time. Yeah. By contrast, in New York. Uh, de Blasio just said that it's going to be a requirement not only for the public sector, like government workers, but for private sector as well. You have to be fully vaccinated, 100% of your staff. I think um, they're, they're having like a, a knee-jerk reaction in some sense because they didn't with the first wave of everything going on. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely destroyed New York in a lot of different ways. Yep. Um, and now with this Omicron River, I don't even know how to say it, um, but with that coming out now, I think they're trying to be like proactive yeah. In doing it, and like you're saying, they're going after public and private, saying it's mandated, absolutely must have. And but they had really impressive stats on their numbers for getting people, like their first dose. They said 80 percent yeah. of ninety uh, percent of adults have their first dose, which I thought was insane for like a city like New York, just yeah. the sheer amount of people and like what the logistics would be to get that done. Um, this has been the first real wave, though, that I've seen a more um, more vocalized pushback from mainstream health science and finance voices saying we already have the systems in place 
we don't necessarily need to go full shutdown mode like we did before. When the objective um, of the shutdown was to not overflood the systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how people how we handle this wave. Um, some because of what we've learned, and some because people's own limit of of how much more limitations they can take, and how much oversight they're feeling comfortable with. And I mean, it's not a good thing to lose a thousand people from the workforce that are frontline. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. over mandatory vax. You know, but it's it's yeah, crazy times, man. Crazy times. I'm over the stuff in a major way. But let's pivot from that. But yeah. oh, oh, what I was actually alluding to there is in the states, there's all these interesting things going on with like labor. Um, and union stuff like the Starbucks in Buffalo. There are three Starbuckses. Yeah, you had Starbuckses? something to say about that. Starbucks, what was this sorry? all about? Um, three of them are have a a, a union vote, uh, okay. which would be the first Starbucks to successfully form a union um, and they'd be part of a, a larger union. That's going on in Buffalo. And then there's this thing called the strike wave in the U.S. where um, a lot of people are just not returning to work or striking, uh, and it's being viewed as a real labor revolution of sorts. It just all ties together. Uh, you know, you never want to say that someone's hardship is interesting, but these are interesting times worldwide to see what's going on with labor, to see what's going on in the market. The whole crypto world, international trade, inflation, like you're getting a full, like this will be studied for it's go back to decades me, to come. Yeah. Four episodes back, screaming that something has to change here. Yeah, yeah. Something's got to give. We can't just keep running like this where everything, like you have these strikes that are starting, another yeah. wave. All that going on. Another layoff like Better.com is an online mortgage brokerage. Their whole objective is to provide mortgages basically with no face-to-face interaction, trying to be that new, they use AI to to match match you with the right lender and it's purely transactional and it's supposed to be easier, cheaper, and smarter. Mm -hmm. Um, They just laid off 900 people they did it over Zoom, by the way. Like this is what things are becoming. Like that was cold blood. Imagine getting a Zoom link invite and you're like, oh, sweet, like. And everybody's got this Christmas almost here. Yeah, a little yeah. staff party. Yeah, oh, what's going on here? Your bonuses yeah. and 900 people came on. And CEO is just like, yeah, we're laying all of you off. Oh yeah. man, um, ice cold. Two things that made me a little nervous there is if a mortgage company of that size, uh, who's doing like hundreds of billions of dollars of mortgages, is laying off 900 people. Again, what are they seeing kind of on the forefront? Because even though right now transaction volumes and dollar values are up across North America, um, but then on the flip side, like. Also, the comfort level to, to lay people off over a Zoom call like that now. Again, this is right. just before my Christmas. whole thing before Christmas, mm-hmm. feeding into this idea of like comfort level of doing everything remotely and no oh, need that's to be in really, person. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's easy to just like do that over a Zoom call. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so yeah, the both things that that's something I might freak out about the metaverse. And then also, again, like things got to change. Is there some sort of recession coming down the pipe where, again, a lot of these real estate companies, we saw Zillow made a huge change with their with their model in the last few months. Another giant mortgage brokerage is now making a change. Are some of these people seeing the writing on the walls where they're doing a lot of transactions and they're seeing what's happening? Uh, even even across the board, we're running our transaction volumes down. Yeah, prices yeah. are up, but volumes down. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone commented on one of our videos like, actually, it's going to be stagflation. And I'm like, whoever that person is, I love that person. Because 100%, <laughs> that's what we're steering at, which yeah. is like, a drop, drop, you know, uh, increased unemployment while prices are also increasing, mm-hmm. right? That's stagflation, and that is what we're headed for. And uh, we talk way too much about inflation on this inflation podcast, but it's but it's, <laughs> it's, it's very relevant. It's back super to, relevant. Yeah, back to the Serb stuff too, and all the businesses and all the you know all the relief. Like that was just money that came out of thin air, yeah, out of the blue, very quickly, yeah. And so when you have an influx of any one thing, it devalues that thing. 
Yeah. And right now that thing is money. And so that's, so that's inflation. Every dollar is worth less. It goes less. Well, it, it doesn't go as far. Um, that, that's inflation. So yeah. a lot of that was because all this money just materialized out of thin air. And typically you expect, all right, unemployment increases. So you get a stop of inflation. Like you get some deflation perhaps mm-hmm. because people are unemployed. But when your input prices are going up so much, mm-hmm. your output prices are up. So this is this is this big problem. Interest um, rates cranking up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we need to dive into some actual mortgage stuff. Igor, we can talk to you about this stuff all day. But sure. um, we had a lot of people reach out and be like, oh, I like that Igor guy. Like, I, I might want to talk strange. to him and, and blah, 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 and, and get your contact info. <laughs> Don't stretch it, Chandler. They were but, like, <laughs> Igor was okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think, like, uh, say someone's out there and they're thinking, be it residential, be it, uh, you know, small scale rentals or commercial, what should they do before they even call you? Um, have a job. <laughs> have some money. Well, yeah, I mean, have like, like if you look at a mortgage application for any type of property or product, like you can kind of simplify it to, you know, I, like I always go over income, down payment and credit, right? Like you kind of need to meet some criteria in these categories. Now, they're very different criteria, whether you're buying your first home versus an apartment building. But yep. like you kind of need to, to some degree, check each of those boxes, <coughs> you know, credit, you have to have good credit. It's your, it's your report card, as we say, to, to represent how well you. What's the bottom end? Well, it depends again on the type of lender and the deal. Like for a traditional bank to look at a single family home mortgage, yeah. 600 is kind of the cutoff low right. end. B lender. B lender, like some of them go into like the high fours. Um, but that's Neil's asking for a friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those are, you know, tough scenarios and like not, that's not a really a part of our, our business, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like stuff in the fives, like a B lender will do that, no problem. Okay. Ideally, you know, 700 and up, 800 and up would be phenomenal. Like, now, a lot of people don't know their their credit score. Like, do you put any stock in these ones, like submit your credit online? Like, very little. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we always end up with a different score. We've yeah. never got the same score as someone said they saw on their online banking app. So, you know. Are they usually kind of close? They're, they're like good at idea? representing, like, if you're in good shape or not. You yeah, know, okay. But the score itself, the score itself, too, people get too caught up in it, especially when it's a good score. Like if you have a 750 or an 800 or an 850, it honestly doesn't matter anymore. You're at the top tier anyway, yeah, so yeah. it's irrelevant. There's nothing you can get with an You're 850 not denied for that any you product. can't yeah. with an 800, yeah. right? So, yeah. so there's kind of a there's a point where it's like, yeah, it's great, good for you. And your rate yeah. doesn't fluctuate based like with cars. Your rate fluctuates <laughs> right. based on your credit score. Yeah, and with, how the finance manager feels that day. And how exactly? <laughs> but uh, mortgages does not do that. Uh, only like more so for B lending. So B, okay, so right. just I guess to clarify that, so with with residential financing, there's A lending, which would be like you know your your banks, your your lenders when you have good credit, all of your criteria kind of checks your the TDs, boxes. Your TDs, your CIBCs, your, your top tiers. Yeah. yeah. And then there's well, what's been traditionally called B lending. I like alternative lending. I think it sounds a little better. Yeah. And that's for people who don't meet the criteria of those traditional banks. Your credit unions and things like that. And no, sometimes not even. Yeah. Like, like credit union would still be an A lender. Are actually. they? Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> B lending, it's like a different, they have different rules. Yeah. Credit union still has the same rules. They're just more flexible with them. Yeah. B lending is just like different criteria. Um, so that could be for someone who's newly self-employed. You know, that's tough for the banks to deal with. And that's a common one. <coughs> or someone who's self-employed and doesn't report much income. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, can can truly afford uh, things. Alternative lenders can look at their income very differently. Like yeah. They don't go by tax returns. They do it in a right. different way. Yeah. Um, or it can be because of a credit challenge. Right. So there, if you have, you know, I don't want to say bad credit, but if you have, you know, subpar credit, then the lower your score, the higher of a rate you're getting. Yeah. Also, some of the right. times people have no credit. 
I mean, somebody like, oh, no, I'm super great. I don't even have a credit card. Yeah. Like, that's actually not going to help you potentially. Because right. you need to be able to show that you've managed credit yeah. well when you go and apply for a mortgage. Or new to country. Yeah. Well, you may not have credit in the, her country. Like you, you, you that's get a bit credit different. transfers though. Right. That's a bit yeah. different because you can get, th- there's new to Canada programs. So if someone's reason for not having credit is because they just got here. Banks have specific programs for that, and we do a lot of that business um, just by you know happenstance. So and you can help a lot with that because I've had a few times where I've had new to Canada and we've gone to just the banks directly, yep. without knowing. And every bank handles it differently. Yeah, and big so we've time. been denied by one like standard bank, and then you take that exact same app to another bank, and they're totally okay with it because they have a new to Canada program, so they're willing to work with those items. That's right. Um, and so we actually, I remember this is we lost this one specifically. We lost a deal on a very nice home. Purely not because they couldn't afford it, but they got denied, and we weren't able to get the extension to go to another bank. This is why you need a broker because it's this so, is where a broker it's in the presentation. It's yeah. in the presentation. Well, and the broker know would know who's who to approach. Yes, setting right. up the right line. That's exactly. Right. Yeah, but you know, you can get some countries have uh, international credit reports that you can get. <clears throat> we just got one from a mutual client with you from Germany. That was the first time I've ever. Is that the one that needed to be translated? Yeah, it had to yeah, be professionally yeah. translated, but, but we did it all up front. Did yeah. got it all? Where it's all it's approved, right? Good I was go. I always try to tell um, people with all this stuff like know yourself. Like if you're thinking of getting a mortgage and buying a house, take a quick second to assess yourself. Like, all right, do I have some liquid cash? Yeah. Am I paying myself, or am I claiming all of my income? Um, and further to that, like this time of year, people have to start thinking about all right. Depending on when my approval happens and how far I go into the new year, are my taxes up to date? Right. Like people need to look at a, a few of those things maybe before they call you and, and you would help them but with I all mean, that. Calling, but I mean, calling, I don't know if it's ever too early to call because we have clients sometimes reach out saying, hey, I want to buy a house a year from now. Yeah, and I true. And I want to know what I don't know so that I can prep towards Get that. Get ducks in a row. So, so like to yeah. this question of what they need to do before calling, I, I don't know if there's much to do before calling, but um, maybe have like somewhat of a realistic expectation by knowing yourself to yeah. your point. Yeah. Um, but, but again, even that, like people don't know how to be- create that expectation. So that's true. So just yeah. call going <laughs> yeah, back to know. the the credit thing for a quick sec. Um, I've said this to a few people and I've heard this before, like opening a line of credit against your home, mm-hmm. even with no intention to use it. That's not a bad, like that looks good on your credit. Does it not? If you're like, I have a hundred thousand dollar line of credit against my house. I don't need the money. I'm not using it but it's open and then on your credit profile it shows that you were able to kind of basically handle the debt. Yeah, so there's there's two points there. So with any, whether it's against your home or just a personal line of credit or Whatever credit card. Be. Yeah. Um, so the two biggest driving factors of a credit score are making your payments on time and everybody knows that. But the second one is proportion of balance to limits. So if you have a credit card with a you know, $5,000 balance, or sorry, limit, and you owe $4,000 on it, you are 80% Utilized. Yeah, it's a bad so look. That's a bad look. The, the, the closer to maxed you are, the worse it is. Yeah. Yep. If you know you get those things saying, hey, we've pre-approved you to increase your limit. If you take that limit increase and now you've got a $10,000 limit and a $4,000 balance, it's the same $4,000, but you now owe 40%. Better look. And your score will increase. <laughs> right? card to me. Overnight, <laughs> right? I remember so, talking about this early on because I was like, all right, I got this $5,000 credit card. I'm like, hey, I've got it like paid off. Should I lower my limit down to fifteen hundred dollars? Because I right. thought that would be me being responsible. And nope. you were kind of like, no, no, keep the limit at five thousand, but just keep it paid off. I, I thought, just assumed, like, well, let me lower the overall potential balance. Um, but that actually wasn't good for my no, credit, which is also how the bank gets you. 
Right. Because they're like, oh, the more credit well, card potentially so, so, so have, then like, the, the trick is not to go and spend the money. Yeah, yeah. But, Get the card and snip it up kind of deal. But, but yeah. what's interesting, so you want those limits to be high, actually, so that your proportion looks low, right? Mm-hmm. So take but, the HELOC. Right. But there are a couple of banks that when they crunch your numbers to, to, for your next application, they will look at your HELOC. So HELOC is a home equity line of credit. They will look at your limits on those and calculate your numbers as if you're maxed on them. Right. Which is absurd mm. because you owe nothing and might have a limit it's potential of a few hundred thousand. Debt, though. Right. But but you don't you haven't used it, right? Yeah. So why punish you as if you have? Or then do it on everything. Like those banks won't do it on a credit card. And you'll see right. that sometimes, yeah. like right. you say, when you buy when you go to buy, I've I've had this happen where they're like, You need to pay off this credit card, this line of credit. And then close it. I've even had to close mm-hmm. one. Yep. Uh, I think when I, I took a mortgage from the same company that I had a HELOC with, right. they're like, we'll give you this mortgage, but you have to close the HELOC. Like, right. We need well, you to close that line like, of credit. Pay it off, and then like you can do whatever you want with it after that. Yeah, like, that's, that's <laughs> usually the approach. That's usually, yeah. yeah. But, or they'll tell you to close one from a competitor, and then magically they offer you one next week. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. It's just a game. It's a business at the end of the day. I love that's those right. moves. <laughs> I love those moves. Yeah. Um, I got a question for you because this is a tipping point for a lot of people who listen and a lot of people that we know. When do you have to switch from being, hey, I can go and I can get residential mortgages in my own personal name to I've got to go down the commercial route? Right. Because we've talked a little bit before, like, yeah, you can get into owner-occupied properties for 5% down or 10 or, or more if they're Do it a couple times. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do it a couple times. But eventually, you're, you're clearly an investor and you're going to have to put 20% down on, the, on these places. How long before you <coughs> can't do them residentially? anymore? It depends on the bank. So banks have a limit of how many properties they'll uh, you know, let you have. And with some, so it varies quite a bit. So some have a pretty low limit, like three properties, four properties. Others will say, it's funny, I was looking into this yesterday for a client actually. So um, some will say, we let you have a house, and like a personal home and five rentals. With some, it's two personal homes, like a house and say a cottage mm-hmm. and five rentals, for example, right? With some, it's just five properties, period. Mm-hmm. Some don't care how many you have if you're buying a new personal home. But right, if you right. want to buy a rental, then it falls under their rental program gotcha. and then they have a limit. Some count doors instead of oh, number of properties. Okay. So like 16 doors, whether that's 16 condos or four fourplexes, right? So it varies. At the risk of like oversimplifying, like a lot of them tend to be like around five. Yeah, five-ish. Yeah. yeah. I remember that happened to me and that's sort of oh, why and, I and there's room And there's room for exception, yeah. right? So like we have clients that we go to a bank whose rule is house plus five rentals mm-hmm. and we're doing their seventh rental. Yeah. Right, right. Like a bank has a discretion to make an exception to their own rule. Yeah, um, they want to lend you the money. That's right. They, they're them. in the business of lending. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest change that takes place though? So let's say you hit, let's say five for sake of conversation sure. is the limit. Now you want a sixth. I think I actually had someone call maybe a week ago saying that they've hit their personal. What's their next step? Is it like okay, now I incorporate and I have to prepare myself to do twenty five percent down? Um, um, so, so if if you hit that threshold where you're even if you're buying residential properties, like I think we talked yeah. about that last time, like two, three units, yeah. but you're a commercial client. Yeah. So you then have to go do commercial financing. Um, you you don't need to incorporate. To, you can do commercial financing in your personal name. Right. Okay. Right. You, you you may choose to but incorporate, but you don't have to. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. So at that point, yeah. So the, the differences would be uh, larger down payments. Yeah. So typically 25%. We've done 20 on a smaller, like a three or four unit yep. with commercial, but 25 is like the, the general rule. You should have the mm-hmm. expectation going into it that 25 is your number. That's right. Um, rates are a bit higher. So that's that's another piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, like something today 
a, a residential mortgage somewhere, you know, like 2% range, depending on what you do or, yep. or even lower if it's a variable. Yep. But then uh, a commercial one, like upper threes to, to like low fours for something small like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can get cheaper commercial rates on like bigger, bigger buildings, but something like this that we're talking about probably in that range. So higher rate uh, fees. So commercial financing has fees associated with it. Yeah. Whereas residential doesn't. Right. So the amortization is the same. Uh, 25 years. You can't you can, get a 30. Can't get a 30. Yeah. Uh, like residential, you can get a 30. Yeah. So by the time you increase the rate and you shorten the amortization, the difference the is pretty flow. significant. It's well, and that's, that's what happened with that property you're talking about earlier. Yeah. Cause it was five units. Yeah. So it had to go commercial. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, like a bit of a higher rate, nothing crazy. Okay. Lose five years on the amortization. Yeah, man. Uh, nothing crazy. Suddenly together, it's, yeah. it's not so exciting. Yeah. So those are the main difference. So slightly higher rates, slightly higher down payments, and uh, a couple extra costs. Also, if it's truly a commercial property, the appraisals suddenly cost like 10 times more. <laughs> and take 10 know. times longer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Legal fees are higher because the, the lawyer has way to do more, to do way more work for the bank. Um, so just everything becomes Might be a requirement for an environmental assessment. Yeah, I mean, if it's like a three or four unit, then, Probably not. then no. But, yeah. um, but if you get into something bigger or there's a gas station next door, or, you know, there's reason to suspect that that we want to make sure there's no environmental issue. Yeah. yeah. Then uh, that can come Have up. you seen requirement for engineering reports much or? No. You no. mentioned that before. Someone else was mentioned that. I'm like, I've never had that. Uh, yeah. Recently I've been getting engineering reports on the really? buildings. Um, again, this was a new lender, new to yeah, Atlantic right, Canada and they're yeah. coming out of Ontario. And yeah. so I don't know if they're just trying to cover their bases because they're unsure, like if they're not used to lending on buildings that are basically a hundred years old. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's very possible. If they're out west, west, then that could very well be the we, case. We yeah. noticed that too, like, for example, of lenders that are, you know, Ontario, I mean, they're all Ontario based. Like every bank is headquartered in Toronto. Yeah. E- even Scotiabank, you know? True. Bank of Nova Scotia. But yeah. some that are like more so, not, not necessarily new, new, but like newer here. Yeah. We had we have one bank that every time we've, we've addressed this with them, I think finally now, but every time there's an oil tank, they think that's crazy. Yeah. Because in Ontario, no one has oil no tanks. Ha- yeah. So when clients get insurance, they want the insurance company, or they used to ask us every time to provide like insurance companies to specifically in the outline, in the coverage letter, yes, the oil tank is covered. Yeah. And they'll never, they won't do that. Mm. Like, they won't make those changes. Yeah. But, you know, it's like they know there's an oil tank, they've provided insurance, it's covered. It's not a big deal here. But yeah, they right. were like, we want to make sure they that they're doing the coverage. It's like, yeah. But to them, they think an oil tank is this crazy anomaly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the obvious question with like switching to commercial then is like, well, why would you why would you incorporate? I guess I should say not switching to to commercial. And I find some people are so keen to incorporate, and other people are like, well, I don't want to incorporate, or when should I incorporate? I think people are keen to incorporate a lot of the time because they watch the YouTube video and it sounds cool. It, it sounds, sounds cool. cool. It sounds so cool. Oh, thousand and that's percent. and and there's there's a lot of stuff with financing that sounds cool i'll corporate get a private lender it's like hang on do you need to do any of this yeah i get, sounds yeah. cool i get the you, question you incorporate the- when you need to or when it, it's like a lateral move and as a result there are some tax and liability benefits to being incorporated that's, that's just on liability i think that's like the yeah. big one for a lot of people i think uh, there's another one so liability yeah the other is depending on how you earn your income true if you are incorporated yeah. right and then like in your business and that's where you keep your money any money you then take out as john smith from your business is income yeah, yeah. you have to pay tax on it so if you're pulling down payments from your corp your tax bill is going to mm-hmm. get crazy fast 
And so instead, if you can then incorporate and keep it between the corpse, like there's tax efficiency. I, I had this issue because we incorporate for what we do on resale and I bought this property in a personal name. So I was doing all these renovations to property and I'd be pulling money out of my corp right. and, and basically paying 50% income tax on it to do this. So I, I was working like, you know, I, I was buying $2 worth of stuff or 80 cents worth of stuff for $2. Right. And it's like, okay, I need to get a little bit smarter with that. Um, but there is, there's also the component you know, and a lot of flippers don't really like the whole flipping thing in HST is an interesting little world as right. well. And <laughs> what are you what doing with these properties? And, yeah. You know, and at some point, then if you're buying um, commercial, like IE retail, industrial, whatever, you're going to have an HST component to some of these properties in order to have a, uh, you have to have an HST number. And if you're registering an HST number, you might as well incorporate and have a, um, you know, a corporation that, that is HST registered because you're going to encounter all those issues. But for you're flipping, that's a thing that, like, that that's here. a, you know, even even you know, if you're going short term rentals, yeah, um, like that's a very gray area. Short term rentals, how that becomes being handled. Also, now that you said that, like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but on the mortgage side, I had a client who was short term renting a good majority. I think he had like an eight unit, and I think five or six of the units were Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he actually leased it to an Airbnb company. Right. So he still had mm-hmm. standard standardized leases with this company, and then they went ahead and Airbnb it. So all was fine, and then the bank asked for an updated um, lease package, and when he sent it in, they came back, and they had looked up the company that was signed on the lease, and they said, they looked them up, they said, you can't do short-term rental as per our mortgage. Mm-hmm. If you look in the mortgage, you're oh, unable to do short-term rental. Uh, I think it was over a certain percentage, maybe like 20% of the building. Right. Um, and so he ended up having to actually basically evict that that tenant, uh, even though they were good, and it, it kind of gave some stability. Hmm. Um, they didn't allow him to do that. And their their thing was obviously the, the fact that it can go up and down so much. It's so volatile, volatile yeah. especially yeah. right now. Um, and then additionally, there's going to be tax implications based on how his property was zoned, where it's residential units. But technically, short-term rentals use is a commercial use. Area. Yeah, hmm. I know. That's a big right. gray area. <laughs> and, um, you know, we are not accountants. Seek independent <laughs> accounting advice. But On the residential side, though, have you been seeing that on the mortgages? So with... I mean, my thought is if it's a rental property, this is my yeah. personal opinion, not as a mortgage mm-hmm. professional. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with a mortgage, like or with a property, if you if it's a rental property, how I rent it is my problem. Yep. Obviously, there's lots of bodies that disagree with that uh, mentality. That's my mentality for a lot of things is basically leave me the hell alone. Yeah. But um, that's that's <laughs> yeah. a different conversation altogether. Yeah. Um, so so my, my point is like, People do short-term rentals. Lots of people do. People flip-flop between the two, right? Some yeah, people yeah. do it you know, in the summer and then they rent to a professional student who's here for the rest of the year. People rent you know, their cottage out the weeks they're not using it, right? Like, yep. How do you classify all those things? Yep. Um, now, banks, don't, they don't like it. Yep. They aren't comfortable with it. It's not guaranteed. Uh, like, like if you have a lease for 1000 bucks a month, that's a guaranteed income source. What's the guaranteed short-term rent? Yeah. So that's why they don't want to account for it, right? Yeah. Um, are there still ways to, to try to do that to some degree? There are, um, but they don't They don't like it. Also, on like a property, like a, a hotel, let's say, or a motel, mm-hmm. they wouldn't lend at Holiday that. Holiday Inn? The ho- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hotel, hotel. Yeah, Holiday yeah. Inn. Um, they wouldn't lend at 75% no, LTV. No, no. They wouldn't give you a loan well, that high. Ba- it would only yeah, be maybe Banks 60, hate hospitality. 65. Like if you get yeah. into, yeah, like like if you're going commercial, like it's not mm-hmm. like a two unit that you might Airbnb or something. Yeah. If you're going commercial with, yeah, like pure hospitality industry, 
they that's not something they're excited they're about. They're not ever. keen on that. Yeah. No. And I think Same with the with smaller like, scale stuff, they probably put less scrutiny on it. Like that's someone who was up for an annual review. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was a little bit larger it's, building. It, it's quite odd that they ask for updated leases as opposed to just lease amounts, like a rent roll. Yeah, usually they charge yeah. for a rent roll. That they probably put the name on the rent roll right. and that's what alerted someone. And you know, I think there's an element, and I may be wrong with this of like the bank like you know, don't ask, don't tell. Like they don't want to know about it to a certain degree. But now, <laughs> I think they're holding. Um, I, I think they're looking at their exposure right now in the market on some of these loans. They're mm-hmm. getting pretty big, and they're maybe putting a bit more scrutiny into it. Yeah, I think in general, there's more scrutiny. Again, would you agree that you're seeing that on your side? I feel like things have gotten a little bit more intense with what they're looking through and yeah. expecting out of you. That that's been the case for for a long time. Like every year, it just gets tighter in terms of the requirements. Um, like what banks want just as far as proof of everything. And and it feels like overkill. But the other thing that we don't have here in Atlantic Canada as much that is rampant in other places is fraud, like mortgage fraud. Yeah. And and I'm not talking like, you know, this, this, do people say they're going to live in a property and then they don't move in? Like, I'm sure that happens, but I'm talking like in Ontario, there's, there's companies like you go, like there's there's people that will say, give me you know five grand and your mortgage will be approved because they fake all your income documents for you, right? Like, like that is fraud to the. I've heard that is yeah very degree. rampant. It's huge up there. So really? so when when we here go like, why do you need another pay stub? What? Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's because someone else ruined it for everybody, right? Right. And so the banks aren't gonna view things differently. The big one is the down payment. Now you're like, oh my down payment's here. It's like, well, where did it come from? Well, it came right. from this account. Well, show me six months from that account. Like. Well, that came from over here. Well, then show me a few months. Yeah. Like and it we, is. We got to dig on that. Layers. Always. So the standard rule is in three month history. Mm. But people, you know, people move money from one account to another, and then they had this thing, and then they got a tax refund, and then they had five grand in cash, and like that can get pretty confusing. Um, perfect scenario is just sitting there accumulating interest, but that's not common. No, right? nobody just holds on to their massive amount of money. You know, maybe first time yeah. buyers like that, that that they're just saving up yeah. towards yeah. that. But you know, um, it, it can get tough, and then. Sometimes there's money coming from overseas and then you yeah. need those bank statements. Oh, they're right. not in English. Oh, you know, like it, it can be quite a, a thing. Right. I'm just going to point back to old fear-mongering Neil here. 2008, they were giving up mortgages in the States. The ninja mortgages. Yeah. yeah. People weren't truly approved for those yeah. things and they were just approving everybody. What was it? No income. And no now, income, no job or assets. Oh, I thought it was no, no income, no job approved. No. <laughs> but like that's kind of what they were doing. Both, both works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're doing ninja mortgages in Canada. We're not doing them on purpose. Yeah. Well, someone's doing them on purpose. But yeah. there's a lot of it going on underneath the table that mm. is slightly concerning. Again, just going to go yeah. ahead and keep throwing out my points. I mean, you know, here, like, my case. It's, it's not as, again, it's not as big of a deal in Atlanta, Canada. No. I think, I think it partially has to do with prices and population. Like people are way more desperate to buy a house in Ontario. That's uh, true because yeah. because it, it's unattainable, I guess. Otherwise, or so they feel. So they go to these crazy extreme lengths. Whereas mm-hmm. here, people don't jump to that. Three years ago, I'd never heard of it like going on at all. I will say this year, I've had multiple clients ask that, and make the offer. Clients be like, "Here's I can offer you this much money." if you can get me in. And I'm like, I don't write mortgages, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take money. Um, I mean, that's not to say there was never any issues here because I know for a while there was stuff, but that was more to do with really aggressive. Appraisals. And well, aggressive stuff. appraisals, aggressive take backs, cash back on closing yeah. and all this stuff, which you still hear about, but there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Um, I mean, we don't have time to, to delve into all of these things. As, as usual, we've kind of gone long here. Yeah. Um, but the VTB market is is one of the things that's a better about commercial finance. Right. Is can you can get into those things above board, 
where the vendor holds the second mortgage. And we talked a little bit about that before. Yeah. Um, but it makes a big difference. What are you seeing? Like, what's the most aggressive, though, that a lender is going to to do with, with a vendor I mean, take-back? I mean, it depends. Like, typically, the, the rule of thumb, and obviously there's exceptions to this, that they want you to see, they want you to have some skin in the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it also depends on the lender. So are we talking about a bank or are we talking about a private lender? Well, that's right? the thing. If you want... Neil's double-digit interest sure. rates. Like you can get them, right? Like, <laughs> but but that it's Shots fair though. Fired. So like if if you're gonna go to a bank, they're gonna be okay with a VTB. VTB is a vendor take back where the seller holds a second mortgage on top of the bank's mortgage. Yeah. And you know, you can get creative with those too. Like for example, um, so part of the reason the bank wants to know about it is because A, they want to know what are you contributing, but B, they want to know the repayment terms. So if there's a payment which there, there associated be, with right. the VTB. Well, then, then that impacts the cash flow in the building, which then impacts how much money the bank might be willing to lend you for mm-hmm. their primary mortgage. Yeah. But, you know, can you get creative with a VTB where the interest accrues? Right. Then there is no payment. Right. Now, most of the time the seller is going to want a payment, but like yeah. just, you know, it's a thought. So like you can just get more creative with it. Um, and so the, you know, the, the more, like the stronger the picture, the more the cash flow the, the more a bank will want to see, or sorry, the, the more the bank will be willing to allow for a VTB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're still going to want to see something from you, right? Yeah. Um, and this is the other thing about commercial. And, and, and usually, like, just to, so just before before you get into, like, asking for, like, a special thing, it's usually, like, matched, right? So if the VTBs, you know, 10 or 15, they want you to have 10 or 15. Yeah. You but, always have to have skin in the game. You can't just do 100%. Unless you get into the private financing. So if you can arrange a scenario where a private lender who will do like a lot things in a lot more flexible ways, um, they just they just go on like, a, yeah, that makes sense kind of basis. That's a conversation topic at that point. There's no longer necessarily a set rules. Yeah, there's it's, no criteria. It's if like, you can sell the pitch. Then, then you're, sell, you're pitching a product. You're in, but yep, then you're yep. also, your pitch is returned with like a 10 plus percent interest yeah, rate. Yeah, it's, it's expensive, but this, if it accomplishes the greater goal, then that's okay. Yeah, yeah, and people have to, this is why commercial financing has the fees. Like, I, I find a lot of mortgage brokers, the same as like agents when they're represented buyers, they run around, they're saying like, and you don't have to pay me a dime. Right. You know, the mm. seller pays me or the bank pays me or like, I don't get paid until you're, blah, blah, blah. With commercial financing, you're paying a fee yeah. because putting these things together is a nightmare in a lot of cases. Um, And it is in the pitch. It is in in the presentation, the packaging. And there is a lot of legwork that goes into it. Um, You know, so you will pay a fee. So even if you have this romantic notion of like, I'm going to get in with zero money down, it's like, no, you're not because you're going to have to at least pay the fee. Yeah, and and then again, your appraisal is a few thousand dollars, your legal fees, like there's going to be costs. Yeah, and you typically will pay a broker fee, a lender fee. Yeah. The lender's uh, lawyers, the lender's lawyer, yeah, your lawyer, uh, your appraisal, which would be a few thousand bucks. Environmental, uh, Enviro, if it's over six units, yeah, on average, yeah, and, or, or, or plane ticket or the for amount. the property yeah. manager to fly right. in. Yeah, your plane ticket for property manager per DMs, yeah, it's per DM, so he can eat at the steakhouse every night. Yeah, um, and then so he can drive back his new car. Um, so, but yeah, in all seriousness, like you'll you'll pay just in fees and everything like that three and a half percent of your purchase price can be right. easily, well, if not then, more, depending and on... And don't forget your detransfer, because like that's the same 1.5% of a much bigger number. Yeah, mm-hmm, right? so before any... all This is all just sunken costs, 5% of whatever you're looking at. So if you're looking at a million-dollar place, 50K that goes towards nothing that you and actually if, physically receive or are paying down. If you're doing private financing, then the fees are higher. And, and, you know. yeah, yes, there's commitment fees, etc. What what's like a, a typical fee right now for a private loan? I mean, it it depends. You looked right at me like really quickly. <laughs> I looked at both the <laughs> No, no, but like what... Because it's... 
It's like five percent. I mean, it's like some uh, like some are two. still out two. there yeah, asking okay. for ten, which is absurd. It's and a then, fee. Yeah, which but like Damn. not not for like a larger commercial loan, but a small bridge loan and like something. Yeah. 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 out yeah. there. But yeah. then you know, like a few percent. Uh, yeah, it depends. Like. Yeah. Like, so if you want to borrow like four hundred grand, it's like all right, they're going to charge you four points or something like that. Yeah. Just to borrow it, like so that's your sixteen thousand, and then they're going to charge you twelve percent interest rate, give or take. That's your right. Your effectives come out of like seventeen, eighteen percent interest usually. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, and then with the private lender too, you know, some of them will commit you to a term. Some, you know, they'll charge you that annual fee, but then you can get out as soon as you can. And then you're only paying like that month, like 1% a month basically with no penalty. That's the biggest thing I would say to watch out on that I, my biggest mistake with privates, like I'm a big advocate for privates because they can allow you to get somewhere that you couldn't otherwise get. Obviously yeah. budgeting yeah. with it and understanding that you can make those payments first before getting into it. But um, is the terms. I was overconfident in my terms. Plus also, I mean, COVID hit right in the middle of me having a certain large draw from these companies mm-hmm. uh, and private lenders. And so it screwed all my timelines up. Having to go back and re-renew private money, yeah. that's where they get you. they'll charge you another fee. It's like, yeah. it's a whole new mortgage, even though I'm like, I'm already keeping the money that you've given me. They're like, I'll just charge you another 4% while we're here. And yeah. they might be like, and you know what? I noticed you have this other property over here. Yeah. I yeah. want to cross-collateralize because you're clearly not hitting your timelines and things like that. So yeah. then you maybe can't refinance a property over here until this gets sort of- It's a slippery slope. The, yeah. the other thing with private mortgages is you have to understand kind of what the setup of the company is. So like, is it a lender that's lending their own money, right? Yeah. Uh, that they've raised, or is it like a lender that just is kind of like like connecting you with almost like individuals that are lending money through yeah. their RSPs or what have you? Like you, you want to know what, what the, the setup is. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, we're running a little bit along along on time here, and and I know the previous time we had you on, we asked you this question about what success meant to you, but I was more interested because you're in this space in the role that you have rental properties, um, you obviously handle residential mortgages. You also handle a lot of commercial mortgages. You're in in this space and you're seeing this change in climate. And I know we talked a little bit about our episode where we discussed capitalism and that got a lot of traction as well. Yeah. I, I made some sort of comment about like, well, we, we were talking we about- We both made comments that were- Well, is, is capitalism yeah. being, being vilified and, um, you know, are more maybe socialist, which is, is relatively moderate or, or communist, more extreme- um, leanings in, in some areas of our political life or not that's true if we're seeing it, you know, or maybe it's just our, our imagination. As someone who's in this space, like what are you hearing from your investors and your clients and maybe like the perspective of someone who deals with a lot of people from out of the country um, with what, you know, how you feel our um, entrepreneurial environment is right now, right? Because yeah. you deal with a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, investors, all these things. What are you, what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's important to remember that like, well, my, my sample size of people might be a bit skewed, right? Because mm-hmm. like we're, t- to be fair, like we're dealing with people buying homes. Mm-hmm. There are many people who can't afford to buy homes, yeah. but like I'm not talking to them every day because that's, that's, like, like, that's, that's just yeah. not yeah. on purpose. It's just not what you know I yeah. do for a living. So yeah. it might be a skewed sample size, but you know, people are still trying to, to buy homes. People are still trying to invest in real estate. People are trying to, you know, get their businesses started, open second locations, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? And so people are still striving to do these things. Um, and so, like, what what's vilified? So I, I think about this stuff a lot personally. Um, and I think I should mention I was born in the USSR. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I was born in a communist country. Um, and then... Good times? Uh, no. Okay. Terrible, yeah. right? <laughs> So like this is, you know, like right now, 
you, you go on Instagram, you see, you know, like, yes, I know the, like the, the wealth gap is, is growing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so that, that makes people more upset and angry and, and like rightfully so that all makes sense. Yeah. But then going after the, like the, the small, the low end of the people who I think are striving and succeeding and doing something like that's the wrong people to target, but they're, they're a lot easier to, to touch yeah. than the like hundred percent that the top you know, point zero one percent is incubated by all these layers. Oh, it's impossible yeah. to um, yell at them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like they don't care about what you wrote on, on Twitter, but so th- there is a lot more, you know, you look at like memes and like, like sentiments and people are like, there's way more stuff online appraising, you know, like socialism or even communism. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm not, like I, I took first year poli sci in university. Like I'm not talking here about political theory. Um, but what I can say is that a lot of people are moving here as in Canada slash Halifax yeah. from somewhere else. There's a reason for that. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think perspective is important and it's not to say that just because it's worse somewhere else, we shouldn't, we should just be like, ah, fine. We're, we're good here. But I don't know. Like, like people are saying like vilifying what, like, the ability to, to make money, the ability to, you know, to pursue something like, yeah, I, know, I remember, I remember standing, like seeing people and, and as a kid standing in line, uh, at stores, like grocery stores in like back home when I was a kid, mm-hmm. because so, so stores were empty, like literally there was nothing on the shelves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people would hear that like this store has something and they'd line up to get it. And then people would see a line form. And they'd get in the Just line. Just top in line. Yeah. You don't even know what you're in line for. It could be bread, could be a shirt. You don't know. Yeah. Right. And like, there's communism for you. So mm-hmm. like, let's just, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like it's tricky. Res- I mean, respect for what we have. Yeah. The like we were working on. It's, it's not perfect, but. I know. And I guess yeah. like the, the <clears throat> tricky thing is just, like you said, um, the, the, maybe the, the, the worst actors, the, the people who are really creating the worst of this gap are so incubated against criticism because there's like not only a physical and economic divide, but there's a political gap that they're protected by. And then just a technological, like they borderline exist yeah, like on you, a different you realm. You can't reach them. Yeah. You they can't, might as well be in, them. The, in the metaverse, right? So like, they get, <laughs> they get <laughs> on angry. their yacht. Yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> so they get angry at, you know, maybe the version um, of that, that they perceive they can see in their day to day life. Right. That's very and interesting. Like, I never and, thought really about that. And that's yeah. frustrating and like not, um, like a lot of people again move here to 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 what like to better their life in some way. Well, sorry, but like that involves making money. Yeah. yeah. So people move here because they think they have the opportunity to to do whatever it is they yeah. want to do. And they are not a fan of the taxes, right? No. But but yet they're still here. So it's yeah. it's kind of like so we're vilifying all of that while people move here to to try to get a little piece of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So yeah. So I think that's that's just the perspective that like I'm not saying it's all good and just because it's worse somewhere else we should be dismissive of the inequalities and yeah. you know the, maybe some appreciation for what the system is. Well, yeah. so it's so hard. Everyone mm-hmm. says you know everyone's like oh it's it's such a shame because the American dream is dead, right? A lot of people are like, oh this generation the American dream is dead. It's like and then someone like goes about trying to achieve the American dream mm. well, and then them. and then they maybe aren't well received. Yeah, right. It's like so. I don't know. I've just viewed it as a contradiction and I know because you're so in the space and you, you deal with a lot of people who are new to the country. I was just yeah. curious to see what your thoughts were. Well, and then yeah. where's the tipping point too? Like at what point it's like, oh, good for you, good for you. Oh, no. no how no. dare you? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like there's just, there's there's so many, like what's, what's the, like a logical fallacy or, you know, mm-hmm. like w- what point does it just, does it stop making sense? Yeah. And like, 
is the, the shiny car. Is the system <laughs> like? Is it the whole system? Like, can we should we debate capitalism? It's like, well, I, I don't want to. And not, yeah, yeah. And not not like, because yeah. like I'm benefiting from it, and granted, I am. Um, I just mean because I think it's a futile pursuit. Yeah. Like we can debate it all day long. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't changing. No. Um, and, okay. And, we really should probably wrap. Neil, I think you've yes. got maybe a thought to wrap us up on there. Or are you just stretching? Uh, no, I did have a thought, but I'm not going to go down that path. But in general, I think there, there needs to be an appreciation for what, for what we have here and what we've gotten to, um, just with a lot of different items. So and, yeah, uh, it's, I respect what you said there, Igor. And it's interesting for someone who's come from what you've come from to now see this. Um, that, that was like a perfect little thing where it's like, and you see people waiting in line. They don't even know why they're getting in line. They're getting in line. Yeah. And even just the fact that that's how you have to live because the systems clearly aren't working mm-hmm. and they're quite a bit worse than what we, we wait yeah. in line here because we're like excessive consumption, right. oh, not yeah. because totally. we are nothing. like, I haven't had bread in six months. Yeah. yeah we started by talking about, you know, and that was a long Friday time sales. ago, but, yeah. Yeah. but you know, it's just, a, it's just a good example to underline like, well, you, you go too far with it that way. Yeah. And, it, and it's also a very corrupt system from just because you have a small amount of people holding all the cards like that. Yeah. It, it, Which is what people argue against in capitalism. I wouldn't like a small right. number of people holding all the cards, but yeah. uh, okay. We do really all have right. to wrap yeah, up. We're going um, to have a couple more episodes before Christmas. Really yeah. excited about the content coming up. We're going to do a year in review. We're going to have another guest and, and we're going to talk about some more stuff. But for now, Igor Gashelin, Neil Andrino, Chandler, Master Keys, Tanner, BNV behind. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. uh, yeah. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Check us out wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate and review our podcast on Apple and let us know what you think of the podcast in the comment section. And check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Master Keys Podcast. When I was broke, I had rich habits. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.